Father, thank you that we can be together. Thank you, Lord, <laughs> for this day. Thank you for what you've already done in each of us, Lord, even as we were just worshiping you uh, through singing and movement and, and music and for your beautiful presence, Lord. We're so blessed. You're always with us, but Lord, it's such a treat when we can sense your manifest presence. Thank you that you dwell in the praises of your people, Lord. Thank you for that blessing of your presence that happens in a special way when we gather together like this. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you, God. There's an antichrist spirit that doesn't like Christ and doesn't like you. And uh, that antichrist spirit first showed up in the Garden of Eden and questioned God, questioned God's way of doing things and brought deception on Adam and Eve. You know, we give Adam and Eve a pretty, pretty rough judgment, don't we? Because we, we reaped the fruit of their bad decisions, and, and Jesus, of course, is helping us with that. He's, he's launched a redemption plan, and it's been good. And I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, Adam and Eve, they were victims of deception. How many of you know that if you're deceived, you don't know it? Right? That's the nature of of deception is that when you're deceived, you're unaware of it. And I believe that one of the things that the enemy has done such a phenomenal job through history of deceiving us, deceiving men and women through the ages, both outside of the kingdom and inside of the kingdom, is in the area of work. Creating, as Jason spoke of last week, dualism. Creating an idea that there would be aspects of your life that matter and aspects of your life that don't matter. If you've ever seen the, the usual suspects, one of the lines in that movie, of course I didn't watch it and you shouldn't, but I read a blog about it, and, um, is that he said the greatest trick the devil ever did was made people believe that he doesn't exist. It's a great line, isn't it? He's a master of deception. And I would say if that's the greatest trick, then the second greatest trick is that he got us to believe that there were parts of life that don't matter. Because we are created in God's image to act in the same way that God acts. And I want you to understand something. You and I have been created to work in this earth, and it is through our work that we transform the earth into the image of what God wants it to be. And if you and I believe that our work is of little significance, then we will never significantly shape this earth into what God created it to be. We will never significantly engage our heart or our mind or our strength in any way that's creative or helpful because we don't actually value the very thing that God called us to value. So I would say if I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were, I would work very hard to deceive each one of you into undervaluing the most important thing that you're called to do, the most transformative thing that you're called to do, I would want you to value that very little. 
I would want you to engage very little of your imagination, very little of your ingenuity. I would want you to value it so little that you don't even think about it. You just go, in fact, you know what I would want to do? I would want you to abhor it. I would want you to consider the good things that God gave to you, the powerful things that God gave to you. I'd want you to consider those things to be abhorrent and a necessary evil. That would be a good trick. Unfortunately, that very thing has been foisted on most of us in one way or another. Unfortunately, the enemy has done a phenomenal job of causing many to be deceived into believing that the, one of the most influential areas, one of the most dignified areas, one of the most powerful transformative areas of our lives is to be hardly considered, and at best if considered, to be a necessary evil. And that thing is work. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to that spirit of stupid that has come upon his people that would cause us to be deceived into believing that the powerful birthright of the sons and daughters of God to transform this beautiful planet into the garden cities, into the paradise that he originally dreamed of and involved us in. Any deception in this area in the name of Jesus, I say be broken and removed from our minds. I thank you, Lord, that your scripture says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds and that we've been given the mind of Christ. So in Jesus' name, receive the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in Jesus' name, every thought, every argument that lifts itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the area of work, bow and depart. Amen? Do you receive that? Can you receive that? It's biblical. It's okay. You check the Bible. If you're wondering, go check the Bible. I just scriptured you is all. I didn't, and not even in a mean way, but it's all legal. If you have questions about this, come talk to me. Now, now, let's talk. We've embarked upon a theme of work, faith in work. We've embarked upon taking some time to look at how God views this beautiful part of our lives, this beautiful gift that he's given us, this vocation, this calling that he's brought us into. Where do we first see this? Why, why work? That's the first thing. Why why work? Why, why is it important? Why are we called to do it? Why should we try to run this through the scriptures? Why should we have our mind transformed in regard to work? Why are we supposed to engage in it? Isn't work a curse? Isn't it? I mean, didn't work happen after the fall? Didn't, didn't Adam and Eve sin and then he said, you've got to work by the sweat of your brow and, and the thorns will be poking your tootsies? Is it something along that lines? Is that how it happened? No. In fact... Work is part of paradise. In Genesis, the very first thing that we learn, at the beginning of the beginning, the very first thing that we learn about God is, in the beginning, God created 
Yeah, and what is that? His work. And how long did it take him? All week. It took him all week. And at the end of every day, he said, that is good. And then at the end of the sixth day, he said, man, this is very good. And he rested. He created, and then he rested. And you know what he did? He came to us, and he goes, guess what, son? Guess what, daughter? What, dad? You got a job. You got a job. And they're like, that sounds amazing. What's a job? And he said, I want you to join the family business. I want you to do what I'm doing. Because you know what? You're made in my image. And you know what I do? I work all the time. In John 5, 17, Jesus is speaking and he says, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Why do we work? Because dad's working. Why do we work? Because Jesus is working. I love this next one, Philippians 1, 6. He's praying, the apostle is praying for the saints, and he says, I'm, I want, I'm being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that God's still working? Aren't you glad that what's going on in you, when, when you're confronted with sin or when you're compelled to goodness, the Spirit of God is still at work? Come on. Yeah, thank you. Me and Susan are glad about that. Come on. It's good news, isn't it? Imagine if God was like, oh, work. It's a necessary evil. I did it for six days and it was gross. And so I stopped. And maybe if you guys will finally get it right, then you can also quit like me. That is what the devil wants you to believe. Why? Because work is the transformative power of what we bring on this earth. Work is what? It's our birthright. Work is our inheritance. Work is when we act like God. The first revelation of God is that he, dad, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit got together. Say together. together. Yeah, and they worked. They're like, let's go to work. Let's go to work. Let's do it. Holy Spirit hovers over the face of chaos and makes beauty. We're part of that beauty. And then he says, hey, beautiful, let's extend my culture over all the earth. Now, some bummer things happened after that. Some bummer things happened, didn't it? And why did they happen? Well, they happened because the enemy came and, first of all, said, God's program's not as good as you think it is. So let me tell you something. I got a little down low here. Now, don't tell anyone about this, but I've, uh, I've got this sweet thing. It's some intellectual property. You're not supposed to see it. It's this new company called Apple. And um, I want you to check this out because the truth is you will get ahead in business if you understand not only good, which he's bringing, but there's this whole other thing that you need to know about that's honestly, it's a shortcut. It's a life hack. Come on over here. Try this out. And they're like, Apple sounds good. It's elegant. It's got a nice keyboard. And they took a bite of it. And then what happened? They tried to determine how they would work outside of how God works. You see, if work is actually valuable, and it is, isn't it? Are you seeing how valuable it is? Are you catching this? You guys are so quiet because you love this, right? You're just thinking about it? All right. So work is, 
It's huge, guys. It's huge. The book starts with it. In the end, after God's created the new Jerusalem, with us, by the way, right? It calms down, and then we work some more. Work doesn't end. I know you guys are like, that doesn't sound like the gospel. (laughs) No, it doesn't end. That's the beautiful thing. You will always, I will always, we will always have a purpose. We will always be building and creating. We'll be working with dad. It is, guys, it's intrinsic to what we are. We are co-creators. Our work is valuable. Every aspect of it. You're never, you don't ever look more like dad than when you're engaged with what dad's doing. Aren't you glad he also rests? That's good too. That's really good. But you know, it's interesting because God worked for six days and then what did he do? He rested for one day. I was reading, um, and, uh, and uh, uh, I was reading Every Great Endeavor, by the way. Get that book. Read it. You'll love it. You'll think I'm less more original than you thought I was about five minutes ago. But anyway, Tim Keller was talking about something that's very cool and unique about work. It's one of the very few things that we have an extraordinary capacity to do a lot of, and it doesn't hurt us. Like, you can't eat cheesecakes every day of the week. You can't. I'm sorry. You just, I mean, you, you could try. It is not healthy. It is not healthy. It's not, it's not healthy or helpful. It's neither of those things. But you have a capacity to do a tremendous amount of work. But you also need to rest. But you're not called to rest six days of the week and work one. Because work is a gift. He wants you to be blessed. Blessed as you work and blessed as you rest. Isn't that sweet? Isn't it sweet to be invited into the purposes of God? You guys, I truly believe. Now, this is a spiritual reality. You know you're, in, you, you know you're dealing with a, with a spiritual reality. There's, there's information and then there's revelation, okay? And, and the enemy, when he brings deception, when he's been bringing a pressure, when he's been bringing... In fact, it says the God of this age has blinded the eyes and the minds of men lest they would believe. All right? I want you to understand something. There has been a spiritual blindness over us in the area of work because he knows that if we believe that work means something beyond a necessary evil, then we will actually engage in the work of God. We'll start doing Isaiah 61, and it terrifies him. You see, when sin came into the world, what happened? People started to try to define what is good and evil, They tried to define how they would build. What did God say? Extend the garden to Adam and Eve. Join me in this job. Extend the garden. Do what? Build cities. Extend my heart and my value. What are they? Love me with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your mind. Love your neighbors, yourself. Build cities that look like that. How interdependent are we, right? The milkman needs the mechanic. The mechanic needs the milkman because the milkman drives a truck, right? You guys need milk because it's amazing. And, or maybe you need an almond farm, but he also has a truck, and the mechanic helps him too. All right, you're with me. We are interdependent. God has actually created us interdependently. God himself works interdependently within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we are just like him. And so we're created to live in this win-win kingdom. It's not a win-lose kingdom. You notice that? It's always a win-win kingdom. 
Maybe even a win-win-win. Because it's the Trinity there. A little something for you Office fans. I'm just saying it might be a Trinitarian joke. It could be like next level spiritual goodness there. But shall we get back to this? So things fell apart. Why? Because the enemy snuck in and said, it doesn't matter how you build. Here's a life hack. It doesn't matter how you build. Here's a shortcut. How about this intellectual property of good and evil? And what happens? It tanks everything. From there, people start building in whatever way seems right to them. How I build doesn't matter. I'll build my way. You build your way. Right? That's where we live today. But God is saying, no, actually how you build matters very much because you are entering into ministry with me. Now let's look at Isaiah 61 because what is the ministry to ministry? I'm just going to pray in tongues for a minute or pig Latin, one or the other. The ministry that we're entering into is the ministry of Jesus Christ. He says, I am always working. My father is still working. And then what does he say? I'm the firstborn of many. <laughs> Who's the many? Us. He said, I go to my father. Greater works will you do. We're joining in the ministry. Now he's working through us to continue that original call, which was what? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it. Extend my kingdom, my culture. Now Jesus has come. He's told us the same thing. And in Isaiah 61, when Jesus came, he said this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news, to bring tidings to the poor, to release the captives, right? To break the chains. And then it continues on. This is verse 3 and 4. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. And so they will be called oaks of righteousness. Let me stop for a minute. Who is they? They is us. They is anyone who has heard the gospel and responded. Then we, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And what happens then? What do we do? What do we do then? We rebuild the ancient ruins, raise up the former devastations, and repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. We begin to work how Jesus works. You see that? So how you work matters very much. You, 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 we can't work the same way anymore. Last week, and if you didn't hear the message, I, I want to ask you, go back and listen to the podcast. Jason talked about dualism. Dualism is a doctrine of demons, it is. It's a doctrine of demons. That's simply what it is. It's just a false doctrine that does a great job deceiving people into believing that some parts of your life matter and other parts don't. Whereas God says, the earth is mine and all that is in it. And he calls us to work in the same way that he works. And how does he work? He works by loving us the way that he loves us. So we're actually called to engage in that style of work knowing that there's no part of our life, there's no part of the work that you do that God looks at and goes, oh, yeah, well, necessary evil. You know, just hurry so you can get to something important. There's no part of your life that he does that. Now, to the degree that we believe that there are parts of our life that are less valuable to God, parts of our work that are less valuable to God, and specifically if we believe that our work isn't valued to God, or a very little, a necessary evil, we aren't even 
engaging our will and our emotions and our intellect and our, and our, and our love in that area. And what we'll do, honestly, is just take the path of least resistance. At probably least, and at most, take advantage because he doesn't care about that stuff anyways. Are you with me? You see how that shapes that? I have a horrible story I want to tell you now. Um, <laughs> so this, this actually happened. I, I was having a conversation with a very successful businessman. And, um, and he was sharing with myself and some other leaders about making sure to never leave money on the table. You know, you're, if you want to be a good businessman, you need to never leave money on the table. Now I want you to understand something. This business person is actually, number one, a Christ follower. Number two, a generous person. Number three, very loyal to the people in his life. And number four, a family man. Okay? So, that being said, never leave money on the table. And he goes, and you know what? Not everybody's cut out to be in business. You know, some people, they just don't understand business. And, and he goes, like, for example, let me tell you about this one time. Um, my wife and I were going to buy a house and uh, made an offer on the house. And the lady was just like, oh, my gosh, she was just really barely there, you know, and she was... She was actually, she was fighting cancer. I think she died like a few months later. But uh, anyways, so we made an offer on the house that we felt it was less than what she was asking, but was, we, was what we could afford and what we felt was a good price. And, uh, and she was just really, you know, obviously going through what she's going through. And so she sits down on the mantle and, and, uh, and she goes, okay, so you're saying thus and so. And, and when she read back the number that she, that, that she thought he had said, it was, tens of thousand dollars less than what they had actually offered. And he goes, so my wife goes to correct her and is like, well, actually, and he, and he said, and I just put my hand on her leg and was like, baby, shh. And he's like, and she would have told her what we had actually offered. And we would have lost that extra money. So, you know, obviously she doesn't have a business mind. And I'm like, you defrauded a woman who's dying of cancer? And this is like the valuable statement like that you're I was just, I honestly was like, you're going to burn in hell. Like, I seriously was, I was like, dude, you are going to, I did, I judged him in my heart. I'm like, you're going straight to hell, sooner than later, I hope. Um, now, here's the thing, he's not going to hell. He's not. God's kindness will lead him to repentance. And the truth is, he actually loves the Lord. But he has been living with dualism for so long. In the area of business that he actually believes that there's kingdom values and then there's, you know, just business. And to the point that he's bragging to me about this. You see what I'm saying? Right? Now who here agrees that you should just never leave money on the table? Raise your hand and get out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no. The <laughs> Sorry. The point is here. The point is. I don't say that to throw the guy under the bus. I say that to tell you that this man honestly is faithful in so many areas of his life and actually was completely blinded to how terrible that was because in his mind, that's the rules of business. How many of you have ever heard somebody use the phrase, oh, that's just business? Oh, no, this, it's business. You understand, it's business. And it... And, and it it's amazing how that usually means that you either just lost a bunch of money between a dealing with somebody else where they just stuck it to you, and you're like, dude, what is this? And they're like, hey, it's business, man. I mean, come on, you understand. No. <laughs> no, I don't understand. And it's amazing, you know, it, it usually is a rationalization or a justification for a decision 
that you wouldn't make in any other realm. Right? That's, that's dualism. But do you know why that's happened? Do you know why we, we, we've done that? Is because we've been deceived into believing that there is such a thing as the sacred and the secular. We actually believe that there's like, well, this is God's stuff, and then this is like the world. So you just kind of try to go along and get along as best you can because, you know, you just, hey, when in Rome, you know, just when in Rome. <laughs> it's just funny to me. <laughs> I'm going to say it once more. When in Rome. Okay. So we, we are not, <laughs> we are not, we're not in, we're not Romans. We're God's children. And we are working how he works. Are you with me? And it's actually superior. What we bring is superior because we're building a superior kingdom. And we are rebuilding the ancient ruins. We are raising up the former devastations. Are you with me? The, do you see how important work is? Do you see that? Do you see how that's God's stuff? And not only is it God's stuff, but it's actually God's primary stuff. Do you see how Genesis says, in the beginning, God worked six days, and then he rested, and then he invited you into that work and that rest? Do you see how that is the big deal? That it's six to one? Do you see how the goal of life is not to hurry up and get through work so that you can retire? Do you know the percentage of people that actually retire and die within like the first couple of years? It is staggering. Why? Because you weren't created to stop working. Like you can stop working for money at some point if you want to. But don't ever stop working. Because you'll just stop. It, it's not healthy. And for those of us that have bought into that, I'm just telling you, it's a trap. Because we're actually called into Isaiah 61. Everything that we do, the way that Jesus does it, is dignity. It is birthright. It is the demonstration of the kingdom at work. Now, if we're called to do this, let's get down to the brass tacks. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So... So we've established that work is important, right? So then how would we do this? How do we do this? Okay, so, so, so what I do at the workplace is important. Okay, I get it, Joshua. I get it. The Bible says it. <laughs> God says to do it. Sounds good. I'm in. I'm in. So tell me, how, does it, how do I do that then? I want to do that. I'm excited about that. Tell me how that, how can I do that? All right, well, here we go. So the way to serve God at work is, and I, and I think in this probably, for most of us, that's what we want. It's just like, well, tell me the couple of things to do. And you guys, there's been a lot of really great thoughts. Uh-oh, I just got booted. Oh, here we go. There's been a lot of great thoughts um, on this. But the tendency is, if, if any of you have heard different preaches on it or if you've heard different ideas, is that we have a tendency to kind of try to make like the one main thing. Like if you, just, if you just do this one thing and everybody would do it, everybody would get saved, right? Every, like then the kingdom would happen. And, and, like, the cities would get restored and all of that. So have you, how many of you have heard kind of those messages, right? And they have a tendency to overemphasize, like, 
Like, this is the one thing. And, and you know what? God bless us. I mean, we're all looking for simplicity and sustainability, right? It's like, give me three steps to save the world. That sounds, I can remember three things. That sounds good. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, there's three things there. Give me the three things I have to do. All right, well, let's do that. So what's the one thing that we need to do at work, okay? So the way to serve God at work is to further social justice in the world. So a lot of the, a lot of the mainstream churches actually um, b- believe this is the way to do it, you know? And, and you've probably heard a lot of that. It's like, hey, fair trade, um, you know, let's, get, uh, let's make sure we're taking good care of the earth. Um, let's make sure that, you know, it's all fair trade. And then that's going to do it. And social justice, and, and that's really important. Honestly, I think they got some great points there. Like, yes, let's do this. Let's make sure it's equitable. Let's have social justice. Like, let's find out if little babies are sewing these clothes, you know, because the stitching is so tight, you know. So then, you know, oh, that's little hands. It's nice, but it's bad. Don't buy that stuff. I'm teasing. You guys are, that was a bad joke, wasn't it? You're like, you, you. All right. Okay, so that's important. That's the main thing, right? But the main thing really is to be personally honest and evangelize your colleagues. It's like, well, that's great that you're not buying child labor clothes, but the truth is you're still going to hell. So we need to be personally honest and evangelize your colleagues at work, right? It's the majority of the place where you spend some time. So just tell people about Jesus, but be honest, like be an honest person. They're like, man, I really respect you So because you're so, such a truth teller. And you're like, oh, well, let me tell you the truth about Jesus. So that's, that's actually the main, the main thing. But the main thing is actually to just do skillful, excellent work. You know, if you're a pilot, that's wonderful that you're praying to Jesus, but we want you to land the plane. Like, your main job, make sure the plane gets into the air, stays in the air, goes where it's supposed to, and then lands without spilling orange juice on your lap because of turbulence, right? So that's the main thing. It's like if people see that you're skillful and excellent in your work, it gives glory to God, bam, right? But the main thing is actually to create beauty, right? Because all things speak of the glory of God. So if we're truly creating like he creates, it would lead to him. The main thing, though, is to work from a Christian motivation to glorify God, seeking to engage and influence culture to that end. We need to, because, I mean, that's awesome, right? Like, use your sphere of influence in a good way. And if you do that, then Isaiah 61, But don't forget to work with a grateful, joyful, gospel-changed heart through all the ups and downs. And the main thing is, do whatever gives you the greatest joy and passion. You know, right? Because it says, what is it? There's no glory, on, or the glory of God on earth is man fully alive. And woman is included in that. Woman. Whoa, man. Fully alive. All right? So when you're truly impassioned, you see Eric Liddell running. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And you're like, ah, and people are like, I just, it's the music too, because Hans Zimmer did the music, I think. So you're just, na, 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 na. That's truly going to do it. The main thing is to make as much money as you can so you can be as generous as you can. When people see you give a billion dollars to a, you know, third world country, then they're going to be like, that's Jesus. Like, who, who does that? But the actual first thing is to create a kingdom culture at work that exposes those in your sphere of influence to Jesus. They come in, they're like, wow, these are like the amazing profit sharing and respect and honor and good communication and dignity and and amazing benefits and the way we treat our customers like this. I want to live in this kind of a culture. Like, where did you learn this? And you're like, Jesus taught me. And what? When everybody gets saved. But the true trick is to be generous to your coworkers or employees and prove the kindness of God in a tangible way. Like if you live a life of generosity and like time and commitment and service, people will see that generosity and the kindness of the Lord will lead to repentance and they will be saved. 
So I put these all out here. Which one is actually the main one? Because there is one. No, it's all of them, isn't it? The truth is, the problem would be saying the main thing, which I did. I spent a ton of time, probably like four minutes of my time talking, saying the main thing. And I'm still doing it. It's like watching somebody fall down the stairs in slow motion. So what we do is we, we actually kind of create these really dumb things, and we try to make something the main thing. And, the, and, it, and it's just, it's not actually quite as simple as just saying, well, just do this one little life hack here and bam, we'll build the kingdom. No, what we're called to do is engage our strength and our mind and our heart, excuse me, and our heart in our work so that we do every one of these things really at one time or another, but you know the area. Not all of you are business owners. You don't, you don't have the ability to create a kingdom culture at work. Like, you, you need to show up and live in the culture that they created. Now, you can influence that on some level, but you don't get to come in and just be like, everybody has amazing benefits, and we're all going to treat each other with respect and brave communication, and we're going to keep short accounts. It's like, well, that's great, Steve. Get in the truck and deliver the milk. You know, you, 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 don't, you can't do that, but you can do some of these other things. And so you're, so you're having to say, Lord, how are you working in this place? Because you value my work. So how can I best serve you in this place? And, and I want to say that it, it really is every one of these things. And it's not always easy to immediately ascertain what you are called to do. But I, can, but, I can, but I think we have an entry point, and I want to take the next couple of minutes and talk about what, what I believe does create an attitude that opens this up. It, it creates a place where we will imagine and be original and creative in understanding the dignity of our work, no matter what your particular calling is right now. And here's the other thing, is that it also frees us to be fully engaged and understand the dignity of our work regardless of whether or not we're even yet doing maybe the thing that we will be doing that, that makes a, uh, that, that's the, maybe the fullness of our gift set. How many of you know that you're not going to start out in your dream job? You know, and, if, and, if, and if we believe that you have to have your dream job in order for what, you, what your contribution is to count, those are some... I mean, good night. There's, there's no such thing as purgatory, but boy, if there is one on earth, that would be it, right? Because you're like, well, this doesn't even matter to God, and I hate it, but I have to earn my stripes, you know? And so it's like you're just earning your stripes. And there's no joy in that. The, 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 God's kingdom makes it to where that how you work in that time, you're, there is dignity to every season. There's dignity to every work that you do in the way that he does it. So, so what would cause us to have the attitude that we would be original in our thinking, that we'd be creative in our thinking, that we would be generous in our thinking in order to do all of these things at the right time, but it would flow out of that. And we see the example of it in Christ. How then shall we work? John 13 says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In another place it says, take on the same attitude of Christ who came not to be served but to serve. You see, when you and I go in with the same attitude of Christ to say, if every work that I do matters to God and is, and is actually his way of building cities, and beloved, it is. 
What's the attitude then that I can have in every single endeavor that I work at? How can I best serve God and anybody connected to this? Any one of his kids that's connected to this. Jason touched on it last week. You're serving God's children. So, so what are you doing? If you're a servant, you're always looking for a win-win. God doesn't require that it's a win-lose. It's not like that house deal. It's like, well, you're dying anyway. What does it matter to you? You know, so your kids got robbed ten or twenty thousand dollars. That's mostly on you anyway. No, that's a win-lose. That's that's it's just not good enough. No, it's a win-win. And when we take on that servant attitude like Christ, it actually engages your intellect, your heart your mind, your strength, and you go, how can I do this in such a way that those who are receiving this service are actually seeing the glory of God in it? That, and, and, and they're feeling it. You know, I'll give you a great example. I'm telling you, I have had the most magnificent pastrami sandwiches made right in front of me at the Harrisburg subway. I don't know where the other ones are coming from, but they weren't that great. Now, what's the difference? I'm telling you, it might be a small thing, but it's not a small thing. The person, I walk in and they go, hi, how are you doing today? I said, I'm doing great. What kind of a sandwich can I make for you today? You know what? I think I'm going to have a pastrami. Wonderful. What kind of cheese would you like? I think I'm going to have some pepper jack cheese. Great. Would you like it toasted? I would. Could you double toast it for me? I'd love to do that for you. It's going to take just a minute. Can I help you, sir? Sir, I'm going to be right back with yours, but I'm going to help this person while you're waiting. Oh, no problem. Then they come over. What can I put on it? Do you want some, you know, what kind of mayonnaise? Blah, blah, blah. And they go through. But each time they got my sandwich, and he just lays it out. It's like doing like some art with his fingers, just laying it out there nicely, you know. And then just, you know, kind of sauce, and he puts it out like that, you know. Doesn't even make the farty noise. Just <laughs> and then he, you know, what else can I get for you? All right. And then a little bit of, little bit of salt and vinegar. Okay, a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, just a touch. Oh. Okay, perfect. Hey, man, well, thanks for coming in. We'll see you next time. Thank you, man. That sandwich is delicious. All right, take two. What can I get for you today? I'd like to get a, I'd get, like to get pastrami. We don't have pastrami here. All right, praise God. Well, then I'll have a spicy Italian. All right, awesome. What kind of sauce do you want? I'd like some mayonnaise. Okay. Do you want any lettuce? How about some olives? And they're just punishing my sandwich. I'm like watching them. Punish my sandwich. I'm like, I'm going to eat that. Like, what did my sandwich do to you? Just cutting it out. It's all crooked. The throw in the middle. It, like, when they fold it up, it's all weird. Like, instead of closing up nicely, you know, it's all like, and it like breaks because it's all stuffed in one side. And I mean, you get it out. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. I'm just like, I paid money to watch you punish my sandwich. Why don't you come laugh at me while I eat it? Are you really going to eat that? Like, did you see what I, how I made it? That's gross. I mean, I, they're mad at me for sure. They hate their job, obviously. They don't like people. But here's the bottom line. They don't realize that it means something. That's the difference. They don't realize it means something. And, the, and, and, and one of them makes me feel like, like a son of God. Like, I'm, I kid you not. I love the Harrisburg subway. I love it. They're so awesome there. They're so friendly and they're nice to your sandwich and you. Go to, to lunch today in the subway. Why? One of them is aligned with the values of God and understands the dignity of work. And, and, and just my experience of watching somebody 
bring that honestly causes me to glorify God. Why is it that customer service is so painful when it's bad and so awesome when it's good? Because it's a kingdom reality. Because you're, you're not just doing whatever it is that that thing is that you think you're doing. You're actually releasing either the kingdom of heaven or the antichrist spirit. The antichrist spirit says, it doesn't matter anyway. It's a stupid job. This is a stupid job. If I had a good job, I'd have a good attitude. No. I got a scripture. I scripture you with that nonsense. If you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. I'll give you a little hint for some future sermons. It doesn't necessarily say that all of every one of us will be given much in this life on earth. Many of us won't get our reward until the next when he brings new Jerusalem and we continue to work and it says, you've been faithful and little, now take charge of 10 cities. But it doesn't say they take charge of 10 cities on this earth. Everything we're doing is dignity, is dignified, and it's valuable. And so how we do it must come into alignment with Jesus Christ. And the only way that we're gonna do that is to take the heart of a, of a servant just like Jesus did. I've got one more scripture for you and then we're gonna pray. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. It's just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Beloved, you are never more like Christ than when you're a servant. You actually get to choose how, how elevated in the kingdom you want to be by how much of a servant you're willing to be. So when you're asking what, what work, is, what work is, is dignified and what work is not dignified, what's of some level of, of importance and what's of, of, an, of a greater level of importance, and he's saying, how many feet are you willing to wash? You, you can choose. If, if you want to be a leader of great significance, then you need to become a slave. If you want to be important in the kingdom, you need to become a servant. You choose. You choose what you're willing to do. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, by the way, he didn't wash their feet just as a symbolic act. He washed their feet because their feet were dirty. And then he said, you do likewise. The king of the universe became a baby helped mom and dad around the house, became a carpenter, and then became a foot washer. And on his final act, he became a slave and was nailed to a cross. Have this same attitude, and we'll rebuild the cities together. Let that inspire your imagination as you continue to engage in the dignity of your work. Oh, you probably better give them, grab the mic there, Jessica. We're going to ask the prayer servant team to come, and Jessica uh, is going to share just a couple things. You can just stay down there, actually, if you want. I mean, yeah, it'll save time. So go ahead and share, and then I'm going to pray and invite, and let's do it. Um, is this on? Can you hear me? Yep. Um, during communion, I just felt like the Lord wanted to do some physical healing, and so I just wanted to step into that. But also, I just want to say, like, this is an amazing word, right? It feels like a lot of freedom to just be awesome in everything that you do. <laughs> so um, one thing that I felt like I was hearing the Lord say was he wanted to heal some backs or a back, I don't know, but that was from either a car accident or um, 
a work accident or even just work in general got your back to become bad. <laughs> and then eyes, something with your eyes that you need healing for. And the last one is teeth, or maybe it was like a tooth or a gum that you've been just asking the Lord about, asking for healing. So if any of those are you, come on up and come on up. And prayer servant team, you can come and also pray as we do what God wants to do. All right. So the prayer servant team is now coming forward. And uh, also, if you didn't have something on that list and you just need encouragement or anything prayer-wise, please come and get prayer. But for the three of you that match those particular symptoms, come get healed. And um, thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I want to ask, Lord, that we would be diligent in our work. I pray, Father, that in any place where what we believe about work doesn't match what you believe, we would change our minds. Father, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.